Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. This week, we are going to talk about a topic that I had planned for last week before the news avalanche hit. So we are going to start with the news, and then we're going to be looking at what Nintendo's post-Tears of the Kingdom 2023 looks like as of this recording. And then we're going to wrap up with an eShop Gem of the Week. Joining me for all of that once again is last week's guest, Marcus Stewart. Marcus, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little distracted because right outside my window, uh, there's a squirrel on a tree and it's like, it's just staring a hole into me. Like I have my blinds open and we're just like looking in each, uh, each other's eyes right now. We're having a moment, I think. This is supposed to be our moment, Marcus, and you're having it with this squirrel. Well, if it helps, it just got distracted by the uh, piece of bark it's standing on, and now it's chewing on that. So our, it was okay, fleeting, well, but it was there. Well, I'm also chewing on a piece of bark, so that makes sense. <laughs> it works out. We're uh, we're on the same wavelength as that squirrel. But uh, yeah, that last week we had a whole episode planned because, you know, after Zelda came out, we were like, all right, well, what is left for Nintendo this year? And so I, I dug into that a little bit, and we were going to talk about that last week, and then an entire episode's worth of news hit within the like the two days that happened after my planning. So we ditched that for this week. Uh, but we are going to start with some news. First off, uh, I guess this is kind of going back to last week's episode and walking back a story that we talked about. <laughs> and coincidentally, it's a Pokemon news story. So we're keeping with tradition with starting with that. Last week, we talked about how Pokemon announced that Pokemon Home was expanding to Scarlet and Violet, and, well, turns out that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> those those dirty liars. Is that, they is tricked that... us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it seems like it was one big misunderstanding. The Pokemon Twitter account, shortly after they announced uh, that it was coming on the uh, 24th of May, which I believe is what we talked about last week, they put out a tweet following up saying, quote, we put the cart before the Mudsdale. Earlier, we mistakenly posted that Pokemon Home version 3.0.0 would launch on 23rd or 24th of May. However, the actual release date is yet to be announced. 3.0.0 is coming soon, though, so please continue to follow our pages for more information. Seems like a very weird thing to mess up. Like, how do you see this playing out? Like, How, how did the wires get crossed here? I don't know. It's just, this is just one of those things where, like, the left hand isn't talking to the right hand. Uh, like someone flipped the switch too early. I, I don't. I think Jeff Grubb said it best when I was on Game Mess when we talked about this, where he's like, "Why does it seem like this company can't do anything right sometimes?" <laughs> you're like, "Well, they yeah. don't make any money." Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's that's <laughs> not a motivation. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, how long was it? Uh, out of curiosity, how long was the original message messaging out before they sort of walked it back? Was it pretty instantaneous, or they were like, "Oh, whoops, actually, no." Well, it wasn't long because I, when we ended the episode last week, there was a, an email waiting in my inbox. So it, it came through like over the course of like, you know, I, I think that it was like a, an hour or two later. Okay. I mean, that's still, you know, in the grand scheme of like social media, that's like a month basically, but it's an eternity. <laughs> yeah. I, I only asked cause I was like, how, how big of a whoopsie is this depending on how long it was up? uh yeah that that stinks that's uh that's not a good look uh again i i i can only assume it, it was probably like the simplest just little slip up 
right? Like someone didn't get a memo or someone on the social team didn't, wasn't told something or had inaccurate information. It's probably like, like the person that posted is well, not their fault. <laughs> They're probably not the decision maker. It's like, this is the, the message that was handed to me. And I was just told to send it on Twitter. And now I got to, I'm the one that has to tell everyone like, that we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then respond to comments or ignore them or like, I'm going to be the front facing, you know, person that has to absorb the the blowback from this which you know as a former receptionist slash like i guess every job in like customer service i've ever had i can certainly relate to having to uh explain other people's mistakes (laughs) oh yeah i mean i used to train people for customer service so i definitely (laughs) i definitely am familiar with that world yeah uh uh you know, I mean, it doesn't doesn't bother me. You know, I, I'm, I don't play the Pokemon games, really. So it's not like a, a big personal, like, big thing for me. But that is uh, just not not a good luck, you know? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, there are worse things they could have screwed up, I guess. But yeah, it was kind of a weird thing to see. Like, oh, yeah, we uh, we put this out. There was even a press release sent to me. It wasn't even like a uh, like it wasn't just like the social media posts. It was like a press release that came my way. And then later on, I got a press release following up saying like, oh, by the way, that date was inaccurate. Okay. It was just the word dope in one (laughs) taking up a whole email. (laughs) Just 72 point font. (laughs) Uh, But in other news from late last week that came in after we recorded, Nintendo expanded its Game Boy Advance library with three Mario games. And, you know, on the surface, that sounds really awesome. But as you may recall... The Game Boy Advance never got its own dedicated Mario game, so we just have the GBA ports of games that were already on Switch. So we have, uh, joining the Game Game Boy Advance library as of today are Super Mario Advance, which is just Super Mario Bros. 2 USA, Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance 2, that's one title, by the way, and Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3. And, you know, as you may recall, we already have Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3, which is the most confusing of all the names because it switches the placement of the original game and the numbering of the Mario Advance titles. But it's also that one was the one that had the biggest improvement over the original thanks to the e-reader levels. And uh, like are any of these versions that you would choose to play over the original NES versions or even the Super Mario All-Stars versions, which is also already on Switch, you know, we already have... Mario 1, 2, and 3 on the NES collection. Then we have Mario 1, 2, 3, and World on the SNES collection. And now we have Mario uh, 2, 3, World, and Yoshi's Island on the uh, GBA collection. So, like, uh, is the GBA your destination for any of these titles? I guess is the question I'm asking. I mean, unless you haven't played them before. I mean, they they are different and not just graphically. Like, I know that like Mario World Advance, like they Luigi has his like jumping ability that he has in Mario 2. Mm-hmm. So it's like there are some like some tweaks that maybe if you're like a super fan are worth sort of checking out the compared to the originals. Uh, I will say I do have a like a nostalgic love for Super Mario Advance because that was the first game I got when I got my GBA pretty close to launch. And it was actually the first time that I'd ever beaten Mario 2. Uh, I, I never beat the NES version, and then it wasn't mm-hmm. until I, I was an adult that I went back and did it. Uh, so like that one always sticks out to me. It's like, oh yeah, that was when I really ran through all of Mario Two, and and it I didn't like totally realize that it was Mario Two. I thought it was like a sequel to Mario Two because the name is so confusing. 
And yeah, it's like, oh. it, it doesn't even have Mario 2 in the title, the official title. It's just Super Mario Advance. The other ones at least have the names in it, but even as freaking confusing as they are. How how confusing is it to say Super Mario Advance 4 colon Super Mario Brothers 3? <laughs> yeah, like it, at the time, it took me a while to realize they were remakes and not like, oh, a new Yoshi's Island. Mm-hmm. And I've never understood why they don't, why they didn't just call it super mario brothers 2 advance or super mario world yeah. advance so i just put advance at yoshi's island advance so i, I mean let's save space on the box of nothing else and but all that money saved from the ink exactly yes nintendo's struggling for money right now as we know but uh yeah i it, it's like it's redundant but like I'm, there's a generation of fans that those were probably their first uh, like exposure to those three games, you know, especially if the the GBA was their first handheld or maybe their first Nintendo console ever. So I'm sure there's an audience for people that pine for those. Like, oh, I want to play those specific versions of them. I, I I still would just go back and play, especially Mario World and, and Yoshi's Island. I would just go play the NES or SNES versions of them mm-hmm. personally. So those are your go-to, right? For like, if you're like, hey, I really want to play Mario 1, 2, 3, World, or Yoshi's Island, you're firing up the original versions as they exist on the Switch. Yeah, because I mean, those games are still great, and there's not, like, that's just where my nostalgia lies with those particular games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the same with uh, Mario 3, because, you know, the Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3, (laughs) God, I hate that song. (laughs) You know, that that was in the initial batch of GBA games, so I guess they're all they're all there now. Like all the Mario advance games are mm-hmm. finally here, but yeah, even then I would just go play the NES version. Uh, yeah. So I always default to the super Mario all-stars version of the NES games, just because I love the SNES aesthetic so much, even if they do feel, I mean, they're, they're homogenized by design in that collection. Cause they wanted them to have all a similar art style. Whereas in the NES, they all had their own distinct art style. But I just love the Super Mario World aesthetic so much that I don't mind having like the the original Super Mario Brothers in that SNES aesthetic, and I, I think that's ultimately why I play it on the SNES uh, collection. You know, it's funny, even though like I agree with what you're saying, but I've never beaten Mario Three like the All Stars versions of it, and it's because of the art direction. It's like I like it, and you're like oh, this looks like Mario World, but there's something about. I don't know. I, I like that NES art. Like, I guess my my brain is so tied to the NES version of Mario 3 that if I want to, like, beat it, I'm still going to go back to that version of it because the remake just isn't the thing that I grew up with. I mean, I technically did because I was a kid when, you know, All-Stars came out and I, you know, I had it. But I, I don't know. It's something I've always asked myself. Like, this is technically a better version of this game, but I still would rather play the original one just because of the presentation. I don't know. It's uh, funny because, like... I started a, a quest of sorts to play through all the, the Mario games. And this was like two years ago. And I got halfway through. I got so I, I played all the like the the all stars versions of one, two and three got through all of them. And then I got to Super Mario World. And for some reason, I stopped after like World three. And I just I think I got busy with another game or something like that. But that's like, you know, that's my favorite one in the series. And yeah. that's the one that like kind of tripped me up and I stopped playing. But I, I honestly don't think it was because like I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm just going to stop playing this. No, because it's the best one, in my opinion. And like, but yeah, I did play through the entire All-Stars suite. I, did I play Lost Levels? I don't think I played Lost Levels. So I was like, Have no. you ever beaten Lost Levels? No, I haven't. Okay, I was like, I, I ha- I've yet to meet a person in my life that has. <laughs> it's not like, I don't think it's going to be a fun experience, like trying to beat Lost Levels. Maybe I'll do it one time just to like say I did it, but I would. 
probably lean pretty heavily on like the save states and all that stuff that they have in the switch online. Like I think you can rewind on the switch online, right? So like if you die a really dumb death, you yes. can like rewind. I think that's a feature. I don't, I don't I think I've ever used use it. Very <laughs> yeah. I've used save states, but I, if, I don't think I use it or I don't think to use it. It's funny. I, I brought, I, the only way I might ever be, Mar or like lost levels is if we did like a super replay on it and there's a part of me that thinks that would be some great content but then it's like do i want to put myself through that game yeah <laughs> like i i try to game every several years i get the the like itch to be like i'm a adult expert gamer i should be able to beat this you know i've beaten all these other hard games and like you know from software and like other hard platformers it's like this should be like cake right and then after a few levels, you're like, oh, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. That's why I stopped playing this. Yeah, I mean, well, the the games back then were just designed. They, they, were, they hadn't quite found the sweet spot for, like, difficulty and, like, here's how obtuse a puzzle could be or here's how challenging, like, obstacles in a platforming game could be. And, I mean, that shows time and time again where there's, like, just some NES and SNES games that are just, like, you want to throw your controller because they're so hard. And, like, even in, like amazing games like the original legend of zelda there's some stuff in that game that it's like how would i know that like and maybe it's our brains in 2023 are just like conditioned by modern gaming conventions that like it's hard to go back and be like oh this really wants me to think about what i'm supposed to do there's no like breadcrumbs or or hints for like what you're supposed to do so i i wonder like if i was 36 years old as i am in 2023 but in like 1989 and I was playing Legend of Zelda on NES, like, would I be better equipped to figure out like the stuff that it wants me to do? I think because I, I beat the original Zelda in I want to say like 2014. Like I played it on my 3DS mm-hmm. and, you know, I had played some soul stuff and I feel like the souls games were almost like the modern versions of the original zelda because it's the same thing of like dropping you into a big world and basically saying go figure it out yeah uh and so like with that in mind i went back to original zelda which i had started you know a few times over my life through just various ports and whatever but i'd never finished it and i was able to get through it and then also like appreciate it more because of because you, you see like okay this is you know we're doing this now but this is like one of the ogs and you know i i kept the walkthrough like saved on my phone just in case and there was a few times i had to tap into it but for the most part i actually got through it mostly on my own and Mm -hmm. it felt really nice and i had and i had like legit fun with it you know obviously you have to go in accepting like hey some stuff's gonna be dated it's an enes game but like i i was having a great time with it and i it was i was able to sort of like you know in retrospect appreciate how ahead of its time that game really is you know yeah, I mean, it, we see a lot of the original ideas applied in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, exa- I mean, yeah, when I first played Breath of the Wild, like, that immediately, I was like, this is just Zelda 1. I mean, that, that's how <laughs> it started out. Like, you, have you seen the concept images of, like, they made it basically in the original Zelda? I've heard of it, but I've never seen the concept images. Okay, so yeah, it's... It, like, top was, down and everything? Yeah, they used it, like, the original Zelda engine to kind of conceptualize it. Oh, wow. And then they went from there. They like should just was, release that. I always thought that would be cool, but I mean, I don't think they devoted enough time to it to really do that. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool if we had like a remake of older Zelda games in the a current. A demake. 
Well, no, I'm saying like a remake of older Zelda games in the Breath of the Wild format, like. Oh, like, like open world or even like going further back yeah. to the NES. Well, like, even like open world Ocarina, open world original Zelda, like just have something like that. Like I, I mean, Ocarina is my other favorite Zelda game. So that was the one I instantly went to. But I thought it would be amazing if they would like, here's a link to the past, but it's like remade as a 3D Zelda game. And like, you know, in that same map, but in a 3D open world area. I feel like Zelda 2 might be the best one because that game had like a straight up overworld. Mm -hmm. So just turn that into an actual open world game. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff they could do with this format now that they've kind of settled on this. But I honestly think the keeping the the remake philosophy that Nintendo has had with the Zelda franchise, where it's just like, we're going to re-release the 3D games with like kind of modernized visuals like they did with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on 3DS and like they did with Skyward Sword where they just kind of made it prettier and same thing with like you know major uh, uh wind waker and twilight princess on wii u like modernize it very slightly because those games already play pretty well and just make it look better and add some quality of life stuff and then for the top down ones do what they did with Link's awakening where just make basically remake it as a new game if it needs to but yeah. in that same gameplay style i would also just take a a Link's Awakening style remake of uh, Link to the Past. That'd be that'd be fine too. Yeah, but do it as a bundle where you get both Link to the Past and a Link Between Worlds on Nintendo Switch. Boom! Ship it. Let's do it. You do the Sonic Three, Sonic and Knuckles thing where they're actually <laughs> one game, and you got to stack them together. And you just you as soon as you finish a Link to the Past, you just walk right into a Link Between Worlds. It's. It, I mean, the Zelda franchise already did that with Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, and you have to have both of them to get like the final ending. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, Capcom was already on it. <laughs> they did, yeah. That, was, that is a very uh, very forgotten fact, is that Capcom developed a few of the Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color uh, uh, yeah. Zelda games. Minish Cap, baby. One of them, maybe the most underrated one was, <laughs> was Capcom. <laughs> but for people who, getting back to our original talking point for why we went down this whole rabbit hole of, of discussion... Um, the differences, if, if anybody is interested in the differences of these Mario games that they put in the Game Boy Advance library. So they all include, every single one of them includes the remake of the original Mario Brothers multiplayer game. So that's like the arcade game. Um, but then Super Mario Advance, which is Super Mario Brothers 2, uh, changed the Mauser boss into Roberto, which is a robotic version of Birdo for some reason. That's and a added great name. <laughs> a Yoshi challenge where you could hunt for Yoshi eggs in the levels. Plus they did digital voice acting, which I, from my recollection, the characters never shut up when you're playing Mario advanced. Like, am I correct in remembering that? You're the one with the more nostalgia. I mean, I owned it back in the day or maybe my, some, Man, somebody I, owned it in my house. I don't remember. Like I, cause I had my Game Boy Advance stolen from me not too long after getting it. So I have not touched Mario advance since like 2002 or whenever it came out uh so yeah i don't remember there being an abundance i guess of like voice chirps or whatever i know there's one of these games that like the they overdid it with the voice acting it's like they just keep talking constantly. is it just like mario doing his like it's a yeah. me but it's just digitized it's, mm -hmm. okay. oh interesting yeah it's just charles martinet just talking away yeah that's chatting it up that doesn't work as much as the. Well, I guess I was gonna say it doesn't work maybe as well as in, in the two D games. But then, like the new Super Mario Brothers, they do it all the time. Oh yeah, they they talk a lot, but I think they found the right balance. Um, yeah. 
Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance 2. The biggest change here is they got rid of the two-player mode for the main game. You can still play as Luigi, but it's like an alternate character, different abilities, as you had mentioned. And uh, But you can still play up to four players in the Mario Brothers remake that is included. And then Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3, they added six new levels that you unlock after beating Baby Bowser, plus a ton of small changes as well. So yeah, those are all available now on the Switch uh, Online Plus Expansion Pack Game Boy Advance Collection. Did you have something to say? I was going to say, like, you know, I, I know I said that it's, it feels a little redundant to have these, but at the same time, it's nice that these are accessible in a in a modern way, because I don't, I don't remember if these were ever ported to the Wii U GBA library. They were at the, they, I mean, all of them. Yeah. You had to buy them cause it was virtual console back then. Right. It wasn't like, in, yeah, but that was a big thing when they were taking the, the Wii U eShop off. A lot of people were like, but that's where we can get a modern version of these, these, uh, Mario Advance games, especially Mario Advance for super Mario Advance or God, super Mario <laughs> Advance for super Mario brothers three, because that's the one with all the e-reader levels. Okay. Gotcha. And they had them all unlocked, and that's what they did for the Switch version, is they just had them all unlocked by default, since nobody has the e-reader cards, and they're, from what I understand, very expensive if you want to try to get them on eBay. Right. Okay, so they've been been ported before. I mean, that's good. I mean, keep keep porting them. Keep making old things easy to play. (laughs) I am very much pro getting these over here, but I'm, I'm just thinking like oh there's a lot of other game boy advance games that i would m- rather have on, on here this feels like the like well we may as well get these out the way now because these are like the obvious ones before fair enough to the the G- at least they gave us metroid fusion already yeah although give me metroid zero mission come on they did it. say that was coming like wasn't that one of the in the trailer or something did like they? that I, I don't feel remember. like that was like mentioned. I, I mean, it'd be weird not to. It's like you already got the other one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, <laughs> <so> <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking like, oh, well, it would be cool if we had uh, the 3DS version of Metroid 2 because then we'd have like the whole saga. You, you know what? This has to be where we get Mother 3, right? Not necessarily a localized version of it, but I mean, because they've added Japanese games on the other libraries. It feels like they may as well just throw Mother 3 and not do the, the localization part because you know they've already been doing that Mm -hmm. i mean that'd be cool i i think that a lot of people would love that but it's just a matter of does nintendo really want to open that can of worms i think i don't know i mean of all again as 2023 nintendo they don't care they can do what they want at this point (laughs) they're making billion dollar movies they're like here you go here's that stupid little rpg you've been crying about (laughs) stupid little rpg Now, and whatever you tell us, we uh, we don't care because <laughs> we, <laughs> we're going to announce Metroid Prime 4 soon. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that's got to be coming, but we're going to talk more about what's coming in Nintendo's immediate future uh, later on in the main segment here. But here's one that we do know is coming because they just got a release date. And it's a game that I'm actually more excited for than I thought I would be when it was first announced. Samba de Amigo Party Central. Do you have any affection for the original Samba de Amigo? Did you ever play it? Never played it, but I would... There was a period where I would get it confused with Monkey Ball. Because, you know, Sega monkeys. I I just realized... Like, Samba is also Sega, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they both have, like, monkey mascots. (laughs) But, um, and also, I used to think he looked kind of creepy with his, like, big smile. He does have a very big smile that is forever permanently painted on him. It's like a toothy smile too. Like he's got like sharp teeth. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a he's a very creepy monkey. 
Um, for people who've never played it before, basically you had maracas on the Dreamcast and you shook them in different directions to the beat of songs. And this time, you know, it, it does the same thing, but it lets you use Joy-Cons instead of having to buy a whole new peripheral, which is very nice. I don't, I'm glad there's no... I don't know if they're going to put out like a an actual like maraca peripheral. I doubt it. I think we're... <laughs> the days of like novelty peripherals is like... <laughs> we're, we're a long away from that. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people have like made it very clear we don't want a bunch of like plastic stuff just sitting around. Like we had that boon back in the late 2000s. You know what they should have done? They should have just made maracas with Labo, like a new Labo kit oh tie-in and just have some like cardboard, like make your own maracas and you just fill them with little beads and whatever. Or Korok seeds. <laughs> there you go. From all the Koroks, everyone's murdering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just do that. Like nice little brand tie-in. See, I should be doing marketing for Nintendo. Clearly. Uh, no, stay with Game Informer, man. Come on. What are you doing? I'll do both. Moonlighting. <laughs> You'll so, get the, the inside knowledge. So they announced a special edition, which comes with costumes for your character that are Sonic, Tails, Space Channel 5, Super Monkey Ball. So there you go. And Puyu Puyu. And then there's DLC packs that are included with that special edition uh, that centered around Sonic and other Sega music. So in the Sega music pack, by the way, you can play... Uh, Baka Mitai, a.k.a. one of Kiru's favorite karaoke songs. I was just going to say, there better be a Yakuza, like, tie-in or, like, just straight-up add Kiryu to the game because, like, Yakuza <laughs> games have great music. I want to see I want to see a little Samba dance to some, like, Yakuza Zero tracks or some karaoke tracks. <laughs> well, it is probably the only game ever to exist where you can play Kesha or Ariana Grande and then leap directly into City Escape from Sonic Adventure 2. So there, it has that going for it. There we go. We've peaked. And the, the DLC tracks are pretty good. I mean, there's Open Your Heart from Sonic Adventure and uh, a couple other ones. I think the the theme from Sonic uh, Frontiers is in there. So there's uh, there's some pretty good music coming from the Sonic. Oh, and the, the theme from Sonic Colors as well. Nice. So okay. it's, a, it's a good collection of, of tracks. And then on the... the game itself the base game itself has two sonic games or city escape and uh fist bump from sonic forces which i would argue is probably the best part of that game i mean <laughs> uh, fist bump it, it's basically they had the guy from hoobastank the singer from hoobastank come in and basically record an anime intro song like if huh. you've never heard this the the theme song of sonic force yeah sonic forces it's called Fist Bump, and it's the guy from Hoobastank basically singing an anime intro song, and it's it kind of slaps, not going to lie. Wow, is Hoobastank still a thing? They haven't put out a thing in a long time, I don't think. But, okay, uh, that, that I, I don't know if they're not still together, but who knows. But anyway, the announcement outside of that is that the game comes exclusively to Switch on August 29th. So that is on the calendar that we're going to be talking about after this final piece of news which was a follow-up again from last week because we talked about the announcement of Mortal Kombat 1. And this week, Jeff Keighley confirmed that we would be seeing the world gameplay premiere of Mortal Kombat 1 on June 8th during the Summer Game Fest live stream. So my question to you, Marcus, as a fellow Mortal Kombat fan, what is the one thing you most want to see from this gameplay premiere? I want to see what that cameo fighter system's all about. Yes, that is me too. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like very intrigued by how they're going to implement that. So uh, what are your predictions for that? Like, do you think it's going to be like kind of like Marvel versus Capcom where you just like hit a button combination and a character will come in and attack or is it something different? 
I think it's that, but I don't think it's full on like tag team, like you're swapping. I think it's because they said unique roster, which makes me think it's like, like just an assist of like they they do their thing and they leave. Which they didn't they do something like that for like MK3 or one of the versions of MK3? Oh man, wasn't there like a a weird like tagging sort of system? I'm like in my mind, I'm like remembering like a ninja flying in like half like you know flying in the screen and hitting someone and leaving i i don't know i'm they did now, that in the, the marvel versus capcom series uh, i think it was two you you chose your characters and there was one that was like a random assist character that you would hit a button combination and they would come in and perform an attack or, or something oh, i'm of course like yeah i mean three and mk11 had tag team ladders yeah in the arcade mode that's right so they, i mean they've done full-on tag two on two like like style before uh so i guess it's i guess in a way it would almost be like a stripped down version of it if it's just they they come in but you don't play as them they just do their one thing i mean it Uh, gives them it opens up so many possibilities because you know the the rosters of these fighting games have exploded so much like they're huge like i was just thinking back about how small the original street fighter 2 roster was it was eight fighters right and same thing for Smash Brothers. The original Super Smash Brothers was eight fighters, and then you could unlock four uh, hidden fighters. And then ultimately, you know, Street Fighter Two added the the Shadowloo bosses. Then it added Akuma and the the Super Street Fighter new characters. Um, so it, it and I think after that point, it was kind of like, all right, there's really no going back here. The rosters need to have a there's a there's an expectation that needs to be larger, and the fighting game uh, genre has really exploded in terms of like, all right, I think street fighter six is going to have something like 18 fighters at launch. So I think that this is a way that like they can have a big roster, but have an enormous roster and pay like homage to like all these lesser known characters without having to fully develop them into like, actual balanced and fully fleshed out and fully animated fighters, right? Like they can have like, Oh, we really want to bring back this character from mortal Kombat deadly Alliance, but we don't want to like devote all this development time to make, like, we don't want to divert like away from like giving we're developing Goro and people are going to be very happy about that. And by the way, I don't know anything. I don't know if that's actually a thing that they're going to be developing, but hypothetically they may be developing a very fan favorite character. And, but they really want to, give this one character their due, just put him in as a, uh, a, an assist character, a cameo fighter. And hopefully that will be the way that that works. And like they can have, people can see their, their favorite characters appear in these ways. Almost the way Baraka was in one of the stories, I think of Mortal Kombat 10, but wasn't a playable character. Like they could do that where like this character is around and he's in here and they're, they're, they're seen as these kind of like in-game characters, but they don't have like, selectable status and maybe if a character is demanded enough like say maybe they do add baraka in as a a cameo fighter maybe they're allowed to oh they really want to play as baraka maybe they can promote him and like he's already modeled in the game let's give him a full move set and balance him and then like when title update 2.0 or something comes out oh the following characters have been promoted to full roster spots or something i don't know like that's kind of the way that i'm picturing it anyway but i could be way off yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week about they're going to have to be really careful about who they pick for a cameo fighter, if that is indeed how it's going to work, because, you know, the fan base is so precious 
about the roster and who's on it. I mean, we saw the like outcry. Was it? It was eleven that left Melina off, and but she was DLC. Oh yeah. Which like for narrative reasons, it made sense <laughs> uh, because you know she spoiler dies in MKX. You're like, well, yeah, I guess she wouldn't be in this one, but you know, people that did not stop people from being like, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> and so like it's like you want the cameo fighters that have like interesting character like i i don't want like who's how from like deadly alliance as a as a cameo fighter because he's garbage no matter how you use them but like i also wouldn't want to see like ermac either you know i think we all agree shajinko from the what was it mortal Kombat deception story or no it was armageddon right uh, yes, Armageddon, yes. The story mode. Wait, no, 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 Deception. Okay, whatever, one of the story yeah. modes, it was Shajinko was your character, right? That was his name? Yeah, you do, like, the whole, like, take him from, like, a young man to old guy yeah. story. Yeah, like, pretty much a world tour before a world tour in a weird way. <laughs> Reference to Street like Fighter that. 6. But yeah, I, he, should, like he should absolutely be a cameo fighter. <laughs> See, I feel like that would, like, nuke the internet because people really like Shujinko and they're like oh the first time you bring him back for, in e- forever he's just like a little he's got like a bit roll so again it's a, a the smart way to use cameo fighters would be to use some like less important or less interesting characters that haven't been around for a while but the fans that grew up with that era of MK like that those 3D like 2000 games they're the ones going to be like, wait, I, I like that guy. Why, why isn't Darius on the main roster? <laughs> and we can all pretend that he was a good character, but uh, yeah, I, or maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's, I mean, like we have a rough idea of what it is from like the press release, but like maybe they do something unique with like tag team focused gameplay that we haven't seen yet in a fighter. Like Marvel vs. Capcom <laughs> is the obvious comparison point, but. I don't know. Maybe they got something different up their sleeve. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see Mortal Kombat innovate in the space as well, because, you know, they they're one of the major players in the 2D space alongside Street Fighter. So Street Fighter obviously has a game coming out here in about a week. So it'd be cool to see like less than a week later, Mortal Kombat, what they have up their sleeves. Maybe uh, remember Ferator from MKX, the like Master Blaster equivalent. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I kind of blocked that out of my mind. Maybe that's the that's what it is. Like the cameo fighters just rides on your character's back. <laughs> yeah, like on your shoulders, and then they like control them. It's like uh, they pull their hairs like Ratatouille. <laughs> <Just> Ratatouille <laughs> is the first cameo fighter announced. Yeah, or perhaps everything, everywhere, all at once for more recent reference. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just let's say it's Shujinko on the shoulders of a reptile. And he's like pulling his little reptile hair, <laughs> you know, all the hairs that he has. Oh, boy. There we go. So innovation. We, found, we figured out what cameo fighters are inevitably. That, that's 100% what it is. Uh, <laughs> take it to the bank. But anyway, Mortal Kombat uh, 1 is coming to Switch and all the current gen consoles on September 19th. Marcus, before we go even more off the rails, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll be looking at Nintendo's post-Tears of the Kingdom 2023. We will be right back. Now that its biggest game of the year has been out for two weeks, Nintendo has the rest of the year to look forward to. But what exactly does that even include? That's what we're going to devote the main segment of this episode to. So Marcus, as you may have uh, noticed... 
both this show and Nintendo have pretty much been singularly focused on The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and rightfully so. Like I said, it's it's the biggest game of the year for Nintendo. Maybe the biggest game of the year for the entire industry. I mean, look at social media currently and for the past several weeks. But now we're kind of left in like this, the wake of that, and the game is out, and people are playing it, and everybody's just kind of like, okay, so what does the rest of this year have in store for Switch owners? And uh, the answer is <laughs> maybe not a whole lot as <laughs> the of answer, now. The answer may surprise you. Yeah, the, doctors hate this one simple answer. Uh, so... <laughs> Let's start off here with what Nintendo itself already has planned. So the first one, like these are just like the kind of the first party releases that are planned here. We have Pikmin 4, which is scheduled for July 21st. So yeah, that's a big game. Yeah. Th- then we have Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. We have two expansions planned. There's one coming in the fall, one coming in the winter. And then we also have the second of those announced Splatoon expansions for Splatoon 3. And that, that was a big one. That's adding like uh, the new single player stuff and, and the another hub world and everything. That is, I think, so, still supposed to come this summer, although we haven't really heard anything about it. So that's all that Nintendo currently has on its schedule. So it's <laughs> I understand that like maybe there's there's probably a, a showcase or Nintendo Direct coming sometime in June. Like you history would lead you to believe that. Right. So. That's wild to me that that's all we have announced, really. And I'm assuming that that that's going to explode with announcements before the end. By, by this time next month, I would imagine we're going to have a whole lot more on this list. But that's that's what we're at right now. Yeah, actually, I don't think it's as wild as maybe you would believe. Because there have certainly been years where Nintendo has almost sometimes purposely left their fall schedule pretty bare, mm-hmm. only to like are around june or summertime have a direct and then they fill it in with all these announcements of games that we had no idea was happening and they're like hey surprise and also it's out this fall like you know metroid (laughs) dread was that yeah Uh, you know for like a recent example so like i kind of have faith that it's going to be that again like looking at this schedule like yeah they'll they'll probably announce at least one more sort of like tentpole game or or maybe if like nothing's going to be as big as zelda well, presumably, you know, please prove I mean, me wrong, Nintendo. The only like, thing that they could put out that's as big as Zelda, even even if it was Metroid Prime 4, that's not as big as Tears of the Kingdom. The only thing that could conceivably be as big as Zelda would be either a new Mario mainline game or a new Mario Kart. There, I feel like this would be the, the year to not only announce but drop a Mario game just to piggyback off the movie of like to the point where you almost wonder maybe the delay for the movie was sort of like partially influenced by that. Like I'm in pure conspiracy theory mode right now. <laughs> but I mean, what a one-two punch that would be of like, hey, this movie comes out. It's a massive success. You know, they couldn't have planned for that, but I'm sure they hoped, right? Um, and then to be like, hey, surprise, new 3D Mario. It's out this fall, Mario Odyssey 2. It would also be because uh, we haven't had a new Mario for the exact same time that we didn't have a new Zelda because, you know, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey came out the same year. Which is still wild to me that we got a new mario and a new zelda game the same year yeah that's that had never happened before uh so i mean if we're going purely by like the the cooldown meter on like the timing you're like okay we're time's up it's time for the next big mario and it would just be so serendipitous to just to do that and 
again, Nintendo's so good at keeping big stuff hidden when it really wants to, and then to drop it with like a pretty short marketing cycle that there's like a part of my gut that feels like that's what's going to happen. <laughs> it would be cool. And we're going to talk at the tail end of this segment, like our kind of our, our expectations and predictions. Um, so I don't want to get too deep into that. But which of these three things that are on the schedule currently appeals to you the most? Pikmin 4, the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet expansion, which you've already said you don't play Pokemon games, <laughs> or the Splatoon 3 expansions? Uh, Pikmin? It's weird because I'm a bigger Splatoon fan, but I actually still have not played Splatoon 3. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, and I don't know, I just haven't ponied up the money to buy it. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really all it is. Uh, but I, I do plan to play because I, I love those first two games, especially the, the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the expansion, you know, that sounds great just for, like, my existing love of Splatoon. Uh, but, you know, it's weird. I've only ever played Pikmin 1. But I really liked it, and I played it very late. Like, I played it on the Wii, like, the original GameCube version. Or, I actually, not Wii, it might have been the Wii U. It was, like, maybe barely 10 years ago. And I liked it, and I, I never played 2 or 3, even though I own 3. <laughs> like, I've had 3 on Wii U forever, and I've just never played it. Uh, I don't know, I, I don't know, there's something exciting about having, like, a truly portable Pikmin. That sounds nice, because I feel like that, that game... Like, the gameplay lends itself well to a portable experience. Oh, hey, Pikmin 3 is on Switch. Oh, yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? (laughs) This one's designed specifically for Switch. So, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, I totally forgot they ported it. Um, But but Pikmin's actually a series that I have not spent really any significant time with. Like, it's definitely a, a blind spot for me in terms of, like, Nintendo's big franchises. And I think it's just because I was not, like super into the GameCube back when when the GameCube was like their flagship seer or flagship console. Mm. I was more of a PS2 guy. The big handle era. wasn't doing it for you. It wasn't <laughs> Well I went from like fully Nintendo guy, you know, NES, SNES, N64, and then I jumped over to the PS2 with the next generation. Mm. And then it was kind of like Xbox and PS3. And they, of course I had a Wii and everything. And I played all the, the big games that came to Wii. But GameCube, I kind of like neglected a little bit. Like I didn't really love Mario Sunshine. I didn't appreciate Wind Waker until much later. So as a result, you know, I my I, I don't even think I rented Pikmin back in the day. Like when it first came out, I was like, ah, I can skip that one. Do you think you would like it? Like, I think I would. I honestly it? think I would. Like, I've toyed with buying Pikmin 3 so many times just to finally like give it a shot. But like, I just, I haven't because it's always been like with what time, right? Right. Yeah. I didn't know if you were like into sort of like the, the management, like strategy stuff with that game. Like, I mean, I love simulation games. So like that, I know that that's, this is not a simulation game. Like, you know, like a, a city skylines or like a, a God, what are some of the other ones I've outlanders where it's like, you're constantly doing like management of like what these people are doing for their tasks. Right. And so Pikmin probably scratches a similar itch as that in a lot of ways, even though it's a different genre. So I could, I could see myself really enjoying it. It's just been a, a matter of, I didn't get into it when I was younger and I haven't, there hasn't really been a, a new one for many years at this point. So I, I, want, I do want to check out Pikmin 4 so I can finally see what it's all about. And I can, you know, have a work excuse to do it now, too. Yeah. Have we, we've seen gameplay of it, right? <clears throat> uh, yes, we have. Okay. 
was like, uh, it's like I, I remember the initial like little logo review, and I was like, have they showed it since then? But then I remember it was like there was a direct recently. Yeah, it was a centerpiece of one of the directs from this year. Okay, so we have seen what it looks like. So I was gonna like, maybe I'm just blanking on it. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's a part of me that just still wants to see, I guess, more of it. I don't know. I, I it's been what almost ten, has it been almost like ten years since Pikmin three or yeah. eight okay i think so or, or maybe like slightly below that when did pikmin 3 now i'm that was like 20 it. yeah i feel like it was like 2014 or something maybe it was as late as 2015 it was 2013 oh my god that was, so man, yeah I, it, it, as of august it will be a decade man okay man that's wow okay um <laughs> but, so i mean yeah but that was just to say like a decade's worth of time to re-examine that series and to maybe freshen it up and you know add some new ideas and also just any anything that they've looked at for influence whether within their own games or other games that might you know they might say hey let's do something a cool twist on that let's put it in pikmin like i kind of want to see what like 10 years of time looks like in a a modern pikmin release Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i mean it'd be great to see like some innovation i know they have a dog in this one that like you can control (laughs) that's the big innovation i mean it is so far (laughs) is this i mean humanity is funny that has a dog and that's like a similar thing of leading a bunch of uh minions around hey maybe they beat him to the punch they beat shigeru miyamoto to the punch yeah, they're like, we got something for you over here. I was just shaking his fist in anger at, uh, <laughs> at Enhance, which is the company that put out Humanity. Yeah, it turns out they have a secret rivalry that no one's been privy to. <laughs> it's basically like how Yoshinori Ono and uh, Katsuhiro Harada were the, the guys that Ono was previously in charge of the Street Fighter franchise. And Harada is the guy who's in charge of the Tekken franchise. They've kind of always had a friendly rivalry. Yeah, and Ono won because he got Street Fighter versus Tekken, but we never got the other one. <laughs> but in fairness, Harada is still with Tekken. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that is what we have planned for Nintendo, at least from the first party perspective. But there are pl- there's actually a lot of third party games. So we are going to kind of look ahead by month here. And June is actually a pretty busy month for Nintendo or for like these third party games coming to Nintendo. So we have Etrian Odyssey Collection, Super Mega Baseball 4, Harmony, The Fall of Reverie. Here's one that I think that you're pretty excited about. I'm going to totally butcher this, but Dordone? Is that uh, I believe it's Dordone. Dordone. Okay. It's so what, what is this game? Because I have not kept up with it the way you have. Uh, it's this uh, sort of like narrative adventure where you play as this young woman who returns to her recently uh, deceased grandmother's sort of like countryside home, which is in the real life French region of Dordone. And she's there to try to like piece together some family secrets. There's some like weird stuff going on with some memory loss where she can't remember her time there. And then the sequences play out where you uh, play flashbacks of a childhood version of the protagonist spending a summer with her grandma and sort of like having like a really pleasant time. Like she's away from home and it's about them bonding and you're doing things like collecting keepsakes and exploring her, like the forest behind her backyard. But it's got this very, very pretty, watercolor art direction uh the music's lovely it's uh it's just an all-around lovely game like i got to play a, a press demo of it uh a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and i really liked it and I, it's a game i've kept my eye on for the last like at least two years now uh but yeah it, it looks cool I'm, I'm excited for it yeah i'm looking forward to that as well it sounds like a very cool like chill game yeah it's super chill um one that's not so chill sonic origins plus 
So basically, this is just a re-release of Sonic Origins, which came out last year, which was the collection of Sonic 1, 2, 3 and Knuckles, and Sonic CD. This one fixes a bunch of stuff. I know a lot of people were dissatisfied with that that release, but this one fixes some stuff. It adds Amy as a playable character in the games. It adds Knuckles as a playable character in Sonic CD, which was a weird omission in the original version. And then it also adds all 12 Sonic Game Gear games to the collection, which I would prefer the uh, the Master System versions because that's a lot of them were the same ones. And yeah. the, the difference there is there's no screen crunch because the, the, the Master System was for TV, even though it was an 8-bit system, it was, it was for the TV. So like the the master system version of sonic one and two is a little bit better than the game gear version of sonic one and two because you don't have the compressed screen so that's what i would prefer but i understand like that it, it saying you have game gear games is a little bit more appealing to the u.s audience than it is saying you have master system games yeah did they fix the music for sonic 3 or is that still the they same? haven't said anything but i would doubt it because that seems like something you would lead with i i think that those those rights are just forever in purgatory i would imagine i think that it's going to take a miracle to get the rights to those songs and it's unfortunate i wonder like i'm assuming it's the, it's not just the recordings it's probably the compositions as well because why not just have like t lopes who did like the sonic cover. mania yeah t lopes did the, has done covers of those songs on his youtube channel i believe he, yeah he, he totally has if you dig back into T Lopes' YouTube channel, like he has done some amazing, amazing covers of like oh, classic yeah. uh, video game music, and then of course, like that, I think ultimately led to why he was hired for things like Sonic Mania and TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Like he nails the feeling of those older songs, so it's like, oh, it must be the compositions themselves are owned by a, a different. Uh, entity because otherwise why not just have like T Lopes re-record them similar to what Taylor Swift is doing with her catalog right yeah, oh she's re-recording Sonic songs yeah she's re-recording Ice Cap Zone it's very weird oh okay I didn't know she was a fan <laughs> but I, I respect it but no the thing with her is like I guess like her old management owns the rights to all of her old recordings so she is going through and recording all of her albums one by one. So she what? owns the rights or like the old label owns it yeah she's that's why you're seeing all these re-releases from her it's like I don't follow her, so I this is all new to me. You've not seen it on like all the mu- like Spotify or Apple Music, where it's like suddenly it's like Red <laughs> Taylor's version. I no, I don't listen to her. So if I see her name, I just go whatever Taylor Swift. Yeah, I don't yeah. dislike her. I just I just don't listen to her. You heard it, you heard it here first, people on social media. Marcus is trash talking Taylor Swift. I don't want the they're called Swifties, right? Her like super fans. Yes, they're okay. rather aggressive. But okay. uh, <laughs> uh, next up, Story of Seasons: A Wonderful Life, which is just a chill little farm simulator. It looks pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of what Harvest Moon used to be. So if you're a fan of those games, that's that seems like it's going to be a, a good one. Uh, we have a game called Crime O'Clock. Do you know anything about this one? Uh, from that, uh, yeah, that Nintendo Direct, it was in the last one that like sort of like top down. It has almost like a blank coloring book because it's like a lot of black and white with some like splashes of color where you're just collecting clues. And it, I believe it's a time traveling adventure, too, because you're jumping to like different eras and you, you play like a time cop. And I think you're just trying to stop a crime before it happens. Something like that. I, I wrote a preview about it not too long ago, but okay. it looks neat. Also, Brian, I take offense that you just uh, blatantly skipped over AEW Fight Forever. Uh, That's next on the list. Uh, uh, wait, I'm looking at the calendar. It's before. Okay, well, it, it comes it, out the it, day before Crime Clock. It, it is on the list. I was getting to it. <laughs> okay, I'm just. <laughs> 
but before that, actually, there is one more that I wanted to talk about, which I know I think you're actually excited for it. Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Yeah, I never got to play the original, but I always wanted to. And then uh, DS copies of it got a little pricey for a, a period. I don't know if that's still the case. Probably not so much now. Uh, so, yeah, this will be my first, you know, uh, foray into it. And I do plan on playing the uh, the Switch version of it uh, specifically. So, yeah, it's it's one of those games you never expect to get any sort of like new lease on life. So this was always uh, like a pleasant surprise to me. Yeah, and then we'll get to your game that I, I was very excited that got a release date because I was having you on, AEW Fight Forever. So yeah. what? why is this one, one that we should be excited for? Uh, it's AEW's first video game, and it looks like it's just okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were so excited to talk about it, and your pitch is it's their first video game, it looks like it's just okay. I mean, it. I'm. I did play at a Tokyo Game Show last year. I thought it was fine, but also my expectations have always been in check for this game because it's like their first game. I mean, they do have a pretty big pedigree because they got Ukes to make it, who's like the long time maker of the WWE games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like their first their first post WWE game, and they've been uh, touting this game as the return to the like 90s era wrestling games like the Aki developed like No Mercy and like WCW, NWO Revenge and all those WCW games. My personal favorite wrestling game of all time, by the way, the WCW versus NWO Revenge. Yeah, like they've straight up said, like, we're going to, we're emulating that style of wrestling game to the point where they got uh, the director of No Mercy, uh, Gata, back to like do consulting on this game. Oh, nice. Uh, So they're going all in. It makes sense because like a lot of the, like Kenny Omega, who's like one of the heads of this game is like an old school wrestling, like video game guy. Uh, so that in mind, like, that's fun. And I think that's a smart way to go. And like, instead of trying to compete for like the sim space with WB2K, when the production maybe budget isn't there, just go completely the other way and do like an arcade style things. A lot of fans have been pining for those. So yeah, I mean, it's know. like how I'm always talking about, like, I would love like an old school, like, 90s style baseball game, which is why I'm actually kind of excited for Super Mega Baseball 4, which I talked about before. But like, I would love like, just a modernized version of what we had with EA Sports with Triple Play Gold back in like 1996. Yeah, or like I've always thought EA should just bring back NBA Street instead of trying to repeatedly revive NBA Live and basically fail every time they've done it. It's like instead of just like clearly 2K owns that space, go the other way. Give us an arcade thing that it would be nice to kind of complement the other like here's side the thing. of that. EA owns the rights to NBA Jam. Yeah, it's like bring back either of them. I mean, they've brought back Jam yeah. a couple of times, but like do it like on a yearly basis or at least more consistently than they are. And so like AEW at least kind of has that spirit of like, we're not just going to do AEW 2K. We're going to go a completely other way that is also valid. I hope it works out. Presentation wise, it looks rough. I'm willing to overlook that if it plays well. Like I'm, I'm talking about like character models and just the... uh just the overall presentation is like nowhere near what the 2k games you know achieve but i'm cautiously optimistic that this will probably just be it'll be fine it'll be a a decent first outing it'll be enough to justify getting a second attempt exactly like i hope this is enough of like a solid foundation to make this a more you know i don't think it needs to be an annual series but like we'll we'll get a sequel sooner than later i guess and I've talked to a lot of sports games developers, and they always say, like, you know, whenever we introduce a new feature, 
that's like just laying the foundation. That's not trying to get it right the first time. That's just putting all the pieces in place. Right. And then like when like a, 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 a series first introduces like franchise mode, for example, like it's not going to be the most feature rich version that you're going to see. Once they have that in place and they have it right, they know what they can take away. They know what they can add. And then two or three years down the road, that's when you know it's going to be, okay, this is like our original vision for implementing this mode. So I'm hoping that's what happens with AEW Fight Forever. Like they lay a good foundation and then they're like, all right, well, everybody wanted like this mode. So let's implement that. Or everybody didn't like this about the game. So they can change that. And then AEW Fight even longer than forever can come out and it's, uh, it, you know, it's the game that people actually want. I mean, if they're, if they're going to turn this into turning crowd chants into the subtitle, they could be AEW. This is awesome. <laughs> or, you know, and to just go from there, AEW, uh, please don't die. Whenever someone, whenever someone's about to do like a really crazy stunt, like the crowd would be like, please don't die. Please don't die. (laughs) That's very funny. I've only been to one AEW show. I'm not a big pro wrestling guy, but I did go to an AEW pay-per-view with, uh, with a friend, a former game informer editor actually invited me and I ended up going with him. Um, and it was fun. It was a good time. Cool. You're qualified to review this game. I guess I don't have to do it. I, that, Chris Jericho, that's the guy that I know. You know who Chris Jericho is. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other two games that are on this list here for June is Master Detective Archives Rain Code and the aforementioned Samba de Amigo Party Central. So that's the busiest month of the year. I mean, it makes sense because that's the next month on the calendar. So it would make sense that we have the, the clearest what? picture of what's coming. Yeah, I thought Samba de Amigo was August. Uh, yeah, you're actually right. I, I blew that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I got confused with, um, yeah, you're right. It is August. I got that confused with the AEW because I think I, those both got release dates on the same time. Yeah, very similar games. Yeah, I Very similar games. Uh, both of them have teethed monkeys as their mascots. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so ignore that. Pretend I never said that. God, I would never want to be wrong about Samba de Amigo coming out <laughs> on the wrong month. Um, what what an idiot would make. What kind of idiot would make that mistake? Big dummies. Uh, July. July only has three games that I noticed here. Uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails into Reverie, Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals, and Disney Illusion Island. Any of those really uh, pique your interest? Oh, Disney. Uh, well, I mean, Oxenfree 2, but I'm going to play it elsewhere. Uh, but Disney Illusion Island, I'm I'm genuinely looking forward to that. Yeah, that, that's one that I'm very interested in, if not like excited, because I, I recently learned that there's not like any kind of combat or way to like confront enemies. So I'm like, all right, well, how does that even play? Like, am I just gonna be running scared the entire time? Like, is this gonna be like a secret <laughs> secret survival horror platformer? I mean, you don't have to be scared to not fight anyway. It's just Mickey and his friends being the bigger people. They're just bigger men. <laughs> what they do, they disarm <laughs> they just, them with arguments. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just jump over everything. It's just about like dodging obstacles and not trying to punch your way through them. Yeah, Which, I guess so. That could that could lead to some interesting design, you know? Yeah, I, I I'm not talking down to this game at all. I'm just. More interested than excited at this you point just, for that. You just game. want to hurt things as Mickey, which there is a series out there that can satisfy that urge. Is it Epic Mickey, or is it literally That's every the one other? I'm talking about yes, <laughs> literally every other Disney game like uh, Castle of Illusion. Don't you fight things in that too? Yeah, I was referencing Kingdom Hearts, which is the uh, ultimate. I mean, he literally 
wipes out like armies <laughs> by himself with a with a big key. But, but then yeah. you have to tolerate having Goofy and Donald as your party members. I like them. What do you mean tolerate? <laughs> I, they're like, at this point, they're like one of the best parts of the game because they're the least confusing things in the game. <laughs> well, I just want that game to go back to having Final Fantasy characters. I mean, yeah, that'd be nice. But like, I don't I don't appreciate the shade being thrown at Donald. I love Donald and Goofy. They're more Donald and Goofy are more charismatic and interesting than Mickey. All right. Yeah, whatever. I just I've, <laughs> I've never put any amount of like significant time into Kingdom Hearts. And every time I've tried, I've just bounced right off. So uh, it's just not a series for me. Fair. Um, August. Oh, there's three games. And, you know, these were all games that I originally knew were going to be in this month. Uh, Bomb Rush, Cyberfunk, Sea of Stars, and the game that, you know, has always been on this list in this spot. Samba de Amigo Party Central. Yes, I'm excited for two of those, uh, Sea of Stars and, uh, oh God, what was the other one? Bomb Rush. Bomb uh, Rush Cyberfunk, the, the spiritual successor to uh, Jet Set Radio. Yeah, the Please Don't Sue Us Sega. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that game looks rad. I'm glad to see that finally coming out. And, you know, Sea of Stars, that was on our cover. Uh, I loved what I played at the demo. Uh, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to actually all three of those. So I think August is going to be a good month. We Again, we probably don't even know the half of it of what's coming that month. Uh, the Nintendo Direct that I am theorizing will happen next month is probably going to fill out a lot of these months. But yeah, that's August. And then just kind of like the nebulous summer categorization has Blasphemous 2 as a, uh, a game that's supposed to come to Switch. And you're a Souls fan. Is Blasphemous on your radar at all? It has been. I've never sat down and played it, but that fan base is so passionate about it where like the people that love that first game really love it mm-hmm. and their enthusiasm makes me want to try it. I I just haven't made the time for it. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that's kind of the same thing for me, too. Where it's like I just I need to find the time to play the first one, which I, I have bought. One of our former guests had Blasphemous as their eShop gem of the week. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds amazing. Let me buy that. And then <laughs> I just never played it, which is the story of my entire Switch, by the way. Every time I fire up my Switch thinking like, oh, I should play something new. It's like, nope, there's Tears of the Kingdom just sitting there. For me. <laughs> I could make this game with Ultra Hand, baby. <laughs> All right, September. We've got some heavy hitters here, uh, at least one of them. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1. Rune, Factor, Rune Factory 3 Special. Uh, Super Bomberman R2 and Minico's Night Market. Any of those aside from Mortal Kombat 1? Because we've already talked about that. Uh, you want to really expand upon or no? Uh, Minico looks interesting. I played a demo of it for a preview. It was pretty fun. Switch is a good platform for that. I, I feel like I would like to get into a Bomberman again. I, I The last time I really played one and had like a really fun time was probably the N64 one. Uh, yeah. That was the and one that they repurposed the Spider-Man theme song for the marketing, right? Wait, what? It wasn't there a song called <laughs> instead of Spider-Man, they were like Bomberman, Bomberman. Like oh, I, I feel like that is like a, a memory that just got unlocked when you mentioned the N64 version. Oh, I don't remember, but I have to look that commercial. We're gonna up. throw to that right now. All right. 
Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I honestly despised Bomberman, Super Bomberman R, which was a Switch launch title. So I'm hoping this is better. It sounds like they're adding a lot of uh, new things to it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the proof is going to have to be in. I know they fixed a lot of the stuff that I disliked about the first Super, Bomber, Super Bomberman R in subsequent patches. And then they re-released it on other platforms. And it, a lot of people said it's a good game now. But I, when I reviewed it, I gave it a pretty harsh score. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm sure they they read it, and they're ready to prove you wrong, Brian. I hope so. I would love it. I'd love a good Bomberman game. Yeah, they have a personal vendetta against you specifically. <laughs> that is why. That is why they made this sequel. They're like, we'll show him. So we're gonna put the the last two months that we have any releases together: October, and November. October we have Endless Dungeon. November we have the Switch version of Hogwarts Legacy, and then randomly i'm seeing that bio mutant is coming to switch in november <laughs> yeah i got a press release for that probably because i reviewed the game uh speaking of games that we didn't give good scores to i i did not enjoy bio mutant very much uh i don't i don't know how why i i don't know even know how to articulate why that game's on switch because i mean I, to be fair I, I know they've updated a bunch uh, one of my main issues with the game at launch was that it was very janky and it just had just just an unfinished sort of like sheen about it that that detracted from an otherwise pretty like decent art direction uh but even then i i'm like is this gonna run well because that game has a lot it's a really big game but we'll see i mean i guess it can't hurt <laughs> right but i guess yeah. i could say the same about hogwarts legacy because from what i understand that's not even a cloud game i think that's just straight up like like just a local game i guess is what you would call it and uh that game is also not not small and it's like there's a lot going on in that game and i'm wondering what you know what compromises were made but then again maybe it's like the witcher 3 on switch where i mean that game is noticeably like less pretty but it runs better than it probably should yeah that was a a marvel of modern development and engineering i, I was gonna say but that was I, like the peak of our like human ingenuity like uh, <laughs> <of> every, <laughs> like it, you know i i can't wait for christopher nolan to make a, a big movie about the person responsible for porting witcher 3 to switch like an Oppenheimer style biopic it'll only be six hours I, that was a funny thing i saw that like was it matt damon is he the is he an Oppenheimer? he is I believe somebody asked him, like, hey, you know, you had the Barbie movie coming out and Oppenheimer coming out that same weekend. And he was like, you know, people can see two movies on in a single weekend, right? And it's like, <laughs> what if it's a Christopher Nolan movie that takes up the entire day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I gotta clear my schedule to go see this. <laughs> you really do. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, like, none of those games, I mean, Endless Dungeon is kind of one that has has my interest i'm i'm not entirely sure about like what the selling point of that game is but it it it's been one that's kind of been on my radar for a while but there's a lot of stuff in the tbd category that's like a, kind of a hey this is coming out in 2023 but we don't have a date for it yet here's what i have listed here blazing strike which i have uh played a preview build of it is basically like uh, an homage to the snes era of fighting games like back in like the early to mid nineties, like Sprite based 2d fighters. It's a very sound game. Like I, I played a, a good amount of it around the time that I wrote the street fighter six cover story. And it felt great. Like I had a really great time with blazing strike and that's 
so i mean it's it's been uh, to be fair it has been scheduled to come out since i think 2019 like they've been saying like oh this is the year and then it's like oh, it's gonna be next year though and then like yeah obviously the pandemic probably mucked things up a little bit but they have it, it's it's been a long time coming because we had it in our issue where we had mortal kombat 11 on the cover and i think even then it was like scheduled for release this fall <laughs> it's still <laughs> here we are mortal kombat 1 has been announced to come out <laughs> this year there might be a full mortal kombat development cycle but to be fair i think that originally it was just one guy developing it and i've interviewed him and uh he's very passionate very knowledgeable about the fighting game genre but i think he has since sought development support on it and i think now it's become a bigger project as a result in his defense if he this would be a challenging year to release a new ip fighting game oh definitely to the point where maybe a fighter yeah it's like to the point where maybe a delay wouldn't be a terrible idea yeah so that is blazing strike uh disgaea 7 fey farm the big one is Hollow Knight Silk Song, which was uh, they revealed that was you know we talked about it last week was originally scheduled to come out first half of this year, but they it got bigger than they thought, so now it's um, delayed to sometime this year. So hopefully it does actually come out in 2023. Then there's Inkalunati, Metal Slug Tactics, Mister yeah. Run and Jump, Rift of the Necro Dancer, Lord of the Rings Gollum, which. Uh, you go see the reviews for that. That's original. It's supposed to come to the switch at some point, but given the reviews, I think it's going to be the lowest reviewed game of 2023 so far. I, I would not be surprised if they're like, yeah, let's just not devote any more money to this game. What's nice is that it'll be portable so that you can uh, carry it to Mordor and throw it into Mount Doom. <laughs> and then uh, the last one on my list here is wrestle quest. The ones that I think that you're probably going to want to talk about here are Metal Slug Tactics and WrestleQuest. Which one do you want to go for first? Oh, so with Metal Slug. That game looks rad. It's looked cool ever since they revealed it. I like turn-based strategy games. I like Metal Slug. This is one of those weird, like, peanut butter and uh, chocolate things. Of, you wouldn't think this would work together. And granted, we haven't played it, so, you know, remains to be seen. But just looking at it, you're like, this looks like a better fit than you would imagine. Uh, I forget. I think uh, .emu is on that. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, so, you know, that, that studio has got some good pedigree with the sort of, like, retro-style games, so that makes me excited. But, yeah, I don't know. That just looks like a fun strategy game. It just looks neat. It know? does, and I think that was originally scheduled to come out last year as well, but then got delayed, and now here we are. I, uh, that seems like one we might hear about at Summer Game Fest. Yeah, I could see that. And then WrestleQuest. What, what's, what's this about? It's funny, so that re- recently got delayed, because that was supposed to come out, like, now-ish. Like, it was originally scheduled for the end of May. It didn't have a date, but it were like, uh, maybe end of May, and they're like, uh, just kidding, actually. Uh, so, later this year... Another company in... playing, pulling the fast one on us. Yeah, but uh, this is the, the pro wrestling RPG, uh, very much inspired by uh, games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, where it sort of uh, uses the backdrop of pro wrestling to craft this big open world that is everything is pro wrestling it honestly reminds me a little bit of like something like an ultimate muscle where they just take wrestling and inject it into every aspect of like life where you play as an uh, like an aspiring wrestler and in order to join like a federation you're traveling to these different basically um like biomes that are each themed after like real life 
either companies or styles. So like the, the, the affluent area is like the WWE equivalent since they're like the biggest company in the world. But there's one uh, that's modeled after Japanese wrestling. And then there's one modeled after like hardcore ECW style, like deathmatch stuff. Mm-hmm. And the turn-based gameplay has this cool system where you're building hype, where it encourages you to not just spam the same moves over and over, because if you mix up your offense, the crowd gets more excited, sort of simulating like, hey, this match is more entertaining, you know? Oh, that's cool. And like when the crowd is like hyped, it gives you bonuses in battle, but that can swing to the, your opponent too. If your opponent is performing well, then they could get the bonus. So it it's this sort of tug of war that's taking place in the midst of just the, you know, the normal just battle system of just trying to take them out. But it looks cool. It, it's got like... A, a lot of charm to it. There's also some like real life cameos from like, there's like a Randy Savage uh, appearance and like what Jeff Jarrett. Well, I mean like he's like in the game, but like, like not in it. Uh, like there's like a statue devoted to him. Cause he's like a God in that game basically. <laughs> um, but there's like, uh, you'll meet like Jake, the snake Roberts and Jeff Jarrett's in it and, and a few other people. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks cool. Again, I'm, as a wrestling fan and an RPG fan, I'm like, oh, okay, I like this idea of combining those two together. So hopefully it finally comes out. Uh, I guess I want to say it was later this summer that I think they'd say they push it to. So, okay, well, well, we'll see. I'm Again, I'm not the biggest pro wrestling fan, but that is one that I've been wanting to kind of check out once it is available. So here, let me ask you this before we wrap up. Here's like with the list of games that are scheduled to come out to Switch in 2023 as of now. Do you have a top three from the list that we just ran down? I will say uh, Metal Slug. I'm trying to remember. I mean, Mortal Hollow Knight. I'm, well, I'm not going to play it on Switch, though. <laughs> I, assume that, I assume that's what we're, we're judging it by. You could do that, yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, Hollow Knight, I might play on Switch. Uh,. It's a good Switch game. Yeah. Actually, that's how I played the first game now that I think about it. It was the Switch version. Uh, so, yeah, probably that one. And, uh, oh, uh, you know, I'll throw Disney Illusion Island there because it's like a Switch exclusive. Switch exclusive, and I, yeah. And I do want to play that. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid list. I mean, this will kind of be our replacement definitive ranking since, you know, we're not doing a definitive ranking this episode. I'm going to say, let's see. I'll put... Super Mega Baseball 4 on my list. And uh, this is no particular order. Sea of Stars. Um, oh, dang. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep mine different from yours. And then I'll put WrestleQuest on mine. That seems like a cool one. Although Sonic Origins Plus is good. Like if, if that was one that was not all like if this was the first time we were getting Sonic Origins, I would put that on my list. But yeah, I'll, I'll keep it those those three. There we go. All right, so we're going to do this. We're going to do a, uh, a little rapid-fire this or that here, or rapid-fire questions for you. What do you expect out of these choices more when we get to the, presumably the June Nintendo Direct that is going to be like the big Direct of the year? So I'm going to name off some options here, and you're going to give me your answer. Okay. Metroid Prime 4 or Metroid Prime 2 Remastered? Ooh. Uh, Metroid Prime, or excuse me, Metroid Prime 4. Okay. Super Mario Odyssey 2 or New Super Mario Brothers 4? Super Mario Odyssey 2. All right, 5 or whatever we're on right now. I guess it would be 
five for Super, New Super Mario Brothers, but you think we're, we're more likely to get a 3D Mario than a new 2D Mario is basically the question. Yes. Okay. A new Donkey Kong Country game or a remaster of Donkey Kong Country Returns from the 3DS and Wii? Didn't they do that? No, they did Tropical Freeze from the Wii U. Okay. Oh, but they ported Returns to the 3DS. Yes. Okay. Um, A new one. Okay. Even though Retro is working on Prime? Well, I mean, there's like the rumors that... I know there's been rumors that Activision was going to do it and then maybe not. And I don't know. It, there's been some scuttlebutt of like a new Donkey Kong in general. So I would be so happy. There's like rumors that it might be a, like a new DK uh, 64, like a th- like a 3D open open one. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I, new DK. OK, new Yoshi game or remaster of Yoshi's Woolly World. Oh, that hasn't been brought from Wii U. Nope. Oh, that's one of the last ones, huh? Uh, I would say Wooly World most likely. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of one of the last ones from the Wii U, here's a kind of an an off the wall comparison here: Star Fox Zero Remaster hmm. or a new wave of Smash Ultimate D- DLC. Oh, Star Fox. I mean, they've straight up said they were done Smash. Like, I mean, they've said a lot of stuff. <laughs> i think sakurai is, i mean i, I said i said samba de amigo comes out in june so <laughs> i can't believe everything you hear and sakurai made a mistake all those years when he said like, oh i didn't did i say i was done i'm sorry he's looking at the thing like we never released that goku character that we created <laughs> i thought we I'm, released that like three years ago i'm noticing a distinct lack of hype around smash lately did, did people not like that new pack we put out like we we, we never put that out sir <laughs> we designed uh, all these characters but yeah just by default i, w- I would say a star fox zero i would prefer the other one though <laughs> okay all right new entry in the kid icarus series or new entry in the pilot wing series uh Probably Pilot Wings. I feel like Nintendo goes back to Pilot Wings more often than Kid Icarus, even though I would prefer Kid Icarus. All right. Rhythm Heaven or WarioWare? We got a we got a WarioWare not long ago, so. But it was kind of an unconventional one, right? Yeah, but, uh, you know, they'll count it. Okay, but you're saying Rhythm Heaven? Sure. Yeah, because the last one was sort of that compilation game, right? Yeah. Uh, Rhythm Heaven, right? Yeah, yeah it was the Mega Mix on 3DS. Yeah. Give me a new one of those. Nintendogs or Tomodachi Life? Nintendogs. Okay. I would love a new Tomodachi Life, though. I would like it just for the ads, because I thought the marketing around it was delightfully silly. <laughs> it was so much fun to have, like, your your friends in your game, and then they all had that that very funny, like, text-to-speech like robotic voice. Yeah, it's like this, they just stripped the soul out of every person. It was the greatest. That's one of my favorite 3DS games. I want to do like a deep dive on that game at some point upon this podcast. Uh, which franchise do you think is most likely to get announced for a mobile game? Oh, I thought there were choices. I was no, waiting. For, I'm just, okay. I'm just, you're, oh, you're throwing it. Okay, this is a extended response on these on the test. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like Nintendo's kind of winding down. Okay, they've done. They. They haven't done a Zelda, have they? No. Here's what my pitch is for a Zelda. It's not a game, really, but an app 
where you can build using touchscreen controls, build ultra hand creations, and then import them into Tears of the Kingdom and like your your auto build. So do you have to like buy pre like they pre make things that would work with the game, or you're saying I could just put anything in my house together and it'll scan it and recognize like yeah that's a log I guess. <laughs> no, you you would have the all the <laughs> items that are in the game. You could just choose like what you want to put on like Zonai devices or logs or whatever. Okay. And you just like can reconfigure them using your your touch screen as however you want. I think that would be a cool app. It seems like something they would announce in the lead up of King Tears to Kingdom. But... No, I agree. I'm just saying that would be a, a that that's a way they could have Zelda on mobile without it being like a full fledged game. See, here's what I'm thinking: is that you take a page of the the Niantic playbook, or maybe you just go to Niantic straight up, and you do a Zelda AR game that sort of it harkens back to Miyamoto's original inspiration of like exploring caves in like you know in the woods and stuff where mm-hmm. it's like yeah if you go out in the woods and explore and we'll just populate zelda stuff in the air like oh you like you go behind a tree and there's a chest you know that'll mm-hmm. spawn or maybe you'll see like octorox and stuff hanging out in your backyard and then maybe it, it, it's like another way to get you out of the house but like instead of catching pokemon you're just having like a little like stripped down zelda adventure Okay, I could see that, like almost like Pokemon Go esque. Yeah, like I said, like just a bunch of AR Zelda assets <laughs> just popping up in the woods. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. I don't want to spend yeah. too much time on this topic because really, I don't think Nintendo's all in with mobile the way they were back in like 2015. Yeah, and also they want to avoid the inevitable news stories of like an uptick of people getting lost in the woods and having to be rescued. <laughs> <laughs> We found the Master Sword, but at what cost? (laughs) And here is this. What percentage would you put your confidence that we learn more about the Detective Pikachu, the sequel game that they, like, announced a long time ago? A game? Yep. Oh, so I remember the movie that they they teased that that's happening. They announced Uh, a second game as well. Like, I want to say it was like five years ago at this point. We never heard another thing about it. (laughs) I'm going to say zero then. You think it's it's dead on the vine? At least I I feel like we'll hear about the movie before we hear about the game. Like, you need the movie to be announced first to get that excitement going. And then the game can kind of, you know, ride that momentum. But I don't think it's going to be the other way around. Okay, fair enough. So, Marcus, that is a look at... 2023 to this point and or I guess 2023 as it exists now post Tears of the Kingdom and what we kind of a weird look at what we expect to happen we're going to take a final break and when we get back we're going to do a quick eShop gem of the week and wrap up this week's episode we'll be right back we are back and it's time for the eShop gem of the week just a game that you think Marcus maybe doesn't get the shine it deserves, or maybe it's just one that we missed on this podcast. I, I know that the one you've chosen is one that we probably should have talked about because it did get a, a, a decent social, uh, a decent social media bump, and a lot of people were talking about it. But we just kind of missed the boat on this one, pun intended. So, uh, Marcus, go ahead and tell us about your eShop gem this week. My eShop gem is Dredge which is the uh, sort of like fishing slash like Eldritch horror game that released uh, earlier this year. I, I've been playing it on my Switch uh, 
pretty frequently. I haven't touched it in a while just because of other commitments, but I've been enjoying it. I, you know, it's been getting a lot of buzz. I actually bought it when I was heading to, to San Francisco for the, the Street Fighter thing I went to, and I, I played a good bit of it on the plane. <clears throat> and I'm liking it so far. And you know what's funny is that a uh, fun fact about me, I genuinely hate fishing. And like real life and in video games. Really? Like yeah. I mean, I'll, I it's a lot of his kids, like it's boring. And there's some resentment as a kid from never having caught a fish, despite being in situations where I feel like I absolutely should have. Cause I, I have literally been on a boat teeming with fish. Like the water's super clear. You can see the fish and everyone around me is catching fish except for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I've watched fish like nibble at my little, my, my bait and then swim away only to get caught by somebody else. And you're like, I, okay, well screw you then. <laughs> How dare you have self-preservation? Uh, so, and, and, and just mini games too. Like I think mini fishing mini games and are okay, but they're always like busy work. And I usually, I don't get excited when I have to do one. Uh, but this game, I don't mind it because it is the most simplified version of it. It's just, watching a meter spin around and then you just hit the colored areas it's just a little mini game you're like oh i've done that in other games i know how to do that and it and it's instantaneous there's no waiting you know you just cast your line and a fish bites immediately it's just everything i've ever wanted <laughs> from real life fishing yeah and it's it's something that like i don't know like i, I it didn't grab like, it didn't like sink its hooks into me again pun intended when i like tried it but like I know a lot of people are like, oh my god! As soon as I played it, I was like all in on this. And I, I, I guess what is the the loop here that really had you coming back time and time again? So the idea is that you're playing as this fisherman. It's an open world game, uh, like a small open world game, and you're building up your ship. Like the loop is like you're catching fish. You're returning to a town. There's multiple towns. You're selling your fish, and then you're using your money to upgrade your ship. Like you can have it uh, more storage space. You can make it more durable so that you could take more hits because uh, in addition to like if you run into something, it like damages your ship and which can like cripple an engine or or you lose cargo. But also there's like weird like tentacle monsters and all kinds of other horrors that uh, lie in, in called wait. octopus. Uh, you know, I wish it was just an octopus because <laughs> there's all kinds of weird stuff in this game. Uh, and, you know, you get better lights and all that stuff. Uh, so you're upgrading your ship, you're unlocking uh, better engines, you're uh, more fishing equipment so that you can uh, catch different kinds of fish. Of like, oh, I have a reel that can go deeper, or it's better in this sort of uh, environment, like a marsh, or uh, like it's better in the open ocean as opposed to maybe shallow waters. And, you know, as you're sort of like basically funding your fishing trips like this, um you're following this story of this weird guy that sends you out to collect these like cursed artifacts that are scattered around the world for mysterious reasons. And it's got this mechanic where it's a day night cycle. And then when night comes around, that's when the spooky stuff starts happening and you're even managing your sanity in like a oh. almost, yeah, like in like an eternal darkness or an Asia kind of way where every time you're out at night, You'll start if you're if you're out at night too long, especially if you don't have your lights on, which, again, is a very like uh, amnesia thing. Uh, things will start popping up like sometimes rocks will appear in front of you that weren't there before, which can be pretty devastating when you run into them. 
or you'll be hunted down by certain critters in some areas. Like, just basically weird stuff starts happening. You can still fish if you want to. It's just more dangerous. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you're trying to figure out what's going on in this world. You're meeting these very weird characters across these different islands. Everyone's got, like, a weird backstory, and you can ask them, like, hey, what's the deal with everything basically <laughs> and they all have a different answer for it but they all seem to acknowledge like yeah something's not quite right about this this world and then maybe honestly hinting that everything that you're doing might be aggravating the weird stuff in a way that might be detrimental to the residents huh like they're like there's one character that's like hey i i don't think i don't like that you're doing this fishing stuff like i think you're I think you're poking a bear, basically. You're poking and, a shark. Yeah, it might be a, a sea bear, you know? A sea we've bear. Seen, That's what they seen. call it. That's what they call sharks. They're bears of the sea. I mean, ask Squidward. Those things are devastating. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so, it, like, that intrigue is pushing me, too. We were like, okay, like, what? what is happening here? And the deeper I get, because I'm pretty deep in, like, again, I haven't had a chance to play in a while just because of other things, but, like, I'm definitely like at least 75 percent through the story uh and things are again there's that intrigue that's been building up of trying to figure out like what is happening here and am is what i'm doing helpful should i be helping this guy because you still don't really know why he wants the things that he wants he's being he's being very sus as the kids like to say Mm. and so yeah that like that combined with like what's a, a pretty like engaging loop of just the fishing and then buying stuff it's it makes for like a a pretty engaging game and it's also a good podcast game too (laughs) so that helps like i was just put on podcast and just like i'm just gonna go catch some fish and also it's got a encyclopedia you're filling out and i don't know about you but i get excited about filling out entries in a book like every time you catch a new fish it's like hey you haven't seen this one before and you're like i'm you, you haven't played pokemon that is exactly what pokemon is i no i i have played pokemon Brian. <laughs> you don't I, play pokemon i mean i i don't but i have but no it's the same i i feel the same sense of satisfaction filling out the pokedex okay well what about the hyrule compendium i have taken so many pictures <laughs> okay, okay okay fair enough <laughs> You know how many close-ups uh, I have of an enemy that's about to take my head off? <laughs> I have sacrificed my life so many times in the name of filling out that stupid Hyrule compendium. Yeah, I'm trying. I need to send those to National Geographic and see if I can, you know, make something happen there. But uh, yeah, I, I like that. And you know, Dredge, you know, it scratches that same itch. Well, it came out in March, so it's a very new release, um, and it's twenty-five bucks. If that sounds like it's up your alley. Marcus, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know you have a review game to get back to, but I appreciate you joining me for this episode. Yeah, appreciate you for having me. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already, throw all things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. We are going to do a Q&A episode next week because I'm going to be traveling for an assignment. So if you want to get any questions or comments in for us next week, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on Instagram at Brian P. Shea. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel even just for one month. A lot of our questions for next week's episode are going to be coming via that Discord channel. But Marcus, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at MarcusStewart7. That is our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time.